my airplane. I have uh, one of my most cherished memories in my mind. Is that it's a blip of a memory, okay? Like it just, boop. I don't know how old I was. I don't know exactly when it was. But it's a memory of my grandfather. And he was a big history buff. And he was also pretty artistic. And he carved these World War I and World War II airplanes out of wood. This is a wooden model. I wasn't allowed to play with it until I was 30. Um, and, uh, and uh, man, he spent so much time detail. I mean, this is a, a B-24 Liberator. And so World War II bomber plane, uh, it's weighted. So he, he actually carved it out and put weights inside the nose so that it would kind of sit level if you held it weighted. It, it had propellers, but that was a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> I have them in a Ziploc bag. Uh, they would actually spin. I, I loved the energy he put into these airplanes. He would spend weeks making them, and he made biplanes, and he made fighter jets, and he made all kinds of things. Uh, these guns are actually little finishing nails that he bent, and he would use paper clips, and these wheels are like shirt buttons that he painted. Um, so this is cool. This is one of my treasured possessions, but it's not the treasured memory that I have. The memory that I'm talking about is a memory of my granddad sitting on a stool outside of his garage, and he's just sitting there with a block of wood, and he's just carving. And I know he's making one of these planes. He made dozens of them, and he just gave them away. Just gave them away to friends and family. And my memory is of him sitting there, and he had this like brim hat that went around, like a bucket hat he'd wear, and, his whole, and it was hot outside. My memory of my granddad is that he was outside a lot, and he sweated all the time. And around his feet were these wood chips, and he was sitting... The reason I cherish that memory is because to me it's one of many of my memories. This was probably the early 80s. And this is a guy who was born, I think, in the late 20s. I should have called my dad and found out for sure. Late 20s, early 30s. This guy was a time machine. He was sitting on his stool. He was carving a plane. And he wasn't waiting on a phone call. He wasn't stressed out because he hadn't got an email. The dude never, ever in his life got on the internet. Okay, it never happened in his lifetime. And uh, it was a time machine. It was a simpler time. It was a time when things settled down. It was a time when he experienced things that are now just lost arts. They're just gone. And so it's that memory, not so much the airplane, that I want to plant uh, in your mind today. Because there are some things in this world that just don't happen like they used to. Lost arts. People making their own clothes. Gardening to like feed yourself for a, a whole year, like not just like I grew three tomatoes and like when that one's, you know, no, like I'm talking about like feeding your family from a farm or think about Amish culture, you know, coming together to build a thing or the common thing that happened in so many communities when multiple families would gather together to bring in the harvest and then they would go to the next family's house and bring in their harvest. Like these things are so cool and I'm not saying there aren't people today who do those kinds of things because there are, but they're dying arts, aren't they? They're lost arts. And so it's with that mindset that I want to talk and start a new teaching series today that we're also calling Lost Arts. Because I think there are some things that God calls us to, some things that our grandparents are probably better at than we are, some things that we see the nation of Israel, though they get a lot of flack for doing a lot of boneheaded things, they did better than we do, that are truly lost arts in our culture, in our world, and in our lives, but that when we can pull them into our life, uh, it would do so much more for us than just, just gardening to feed us ourselves for a year, but culture things, things like hospitality and respect and diligence and ethics. And there's a list, you could make a list of two dozen things. We're only going to spend six weeks on it. But it was actually hard for me to narrow these six things down. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to take a list of each of those six things and we're going to see what what does God's word have to say about those things and how might we as a community here in Wilmington or wherever you are online, how might we change the world by just changing these habits in our life, reclaiming these lost arts. Let's just dive into today's lost art because it's going to hurt, okay? It's going to be like ripping off a band-aid, we're just going to do it. Today's lost art is patience. Ouch. The dictionary gives us this, dictionary.com. What is patience? Patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. That's a pretty good definition. Dictionaries do a good job. I've always thought so. (laughs) When I think about patience, I automatically go to a place where I have little patience. And that's driving in traffic. In fact, if you ever want to see anyone's true character, sit in the passenger seat while they're stuck in traffic and just see the things they say and the gestures that they make and the decisions that they make. Patience. Patience is a hard thing. And so patience is tested in places when we're not getting our way. Another great testing ground for our patience is parenting. Can I get an amen? Yeah, like parenting, it's like, oh, man, okay. You know, sometimes my poor son, like, I could have probably just laid off a little bit, but I came on hard. Because I was like, dude, I'm, I'm going to punch you right in the face right now, okay? I understand that you're 14, but right now I just need to punch somebody, and it's, it might be you if you don't get out of my face. Parents, you with me? Like, I'm not a violent person, but parenting does weird things to your brain. It does. And so you got to take some so patience. But this is something God calls us to. And so patience, if our definition is the capacity to accept or tolerate, delay trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset, why would I want patience? Because I don't want to accept or tolerate frustrating things. I don't want to accept that. I don't want to have the ability to accept that, right? I want that to go away out of my life. I want my life to be comfortable and cushy and calm in the way that I want it. Some older English versions of the Bible, they translate the word patience this way. Long-suffering. I don't know what long-suffering is. I mean, it's not a phrase we use very often in our modern vocabulary. But I know what regular suffering is. And I sure don't want long of it. Yet the Bible says it's something we should have. Long-suffering. Come on, God. You want me to put up with this for not just a short time, but a long time? Patience. But if we're honest... I think most of us would agree that patience, though it seems like a dirty word, is something that we need. And why is that? Because sometimes there's delay, and sometimes there's inconvenience, and sometimes there's suffering. And we need to have the ability to get through that, right? Life doesn't always go perfectly. We've got to have the ability to walk through the hardest parts of our lives and not get angry or frustrating and so we need a plan for when that happens and, and God's plan for that is patience we need to know patience or we need to learn patience we need to practice patience and we need to practice patience and we need to practice patience and we need to practice patience because it's not easy patience is a lost art And that's the lost art we're going to dive into today. Every week we love to dive into the Bible for answers to God's most important truths. And so if you've got a Bible, just open it up or scroll down on your device. And uh, we're going to be, I'm just going to start out with kind of like a shotgun approach of like, what does the Bible say about patience? Like you could Google Bible verses about patience. You would get some of these I'm about to share with you. They're good, a little bit frustrating, 
but good. Let's just look at what they are. So there's, there's one, a couple from Proverbs I'm going to choose. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. This is pretty good. Better a patient man than a warrior. A man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. So there's this wisdom here that it's better to be patient than even powerful. Um, and so interesting, interesting. Because a lot of dudes, if we were like, hey, would you rather be a patient man or a warrior? We'd be like, bring me my double-headed axe. That's what I'd rather have. It's interesting how often in scripture we see the concept of patience tied to the converse of that which might be like anger. It's interesting. That's like the... That's the ugly side of that coin. Here's another one from Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14, 29 says, A patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly. And another way of looking at it is foolishness. If we don't learn patience. It goes on into the New Testament. The New Testament chimes in in 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. And this is one of many passages that Paul wrote um, about this. He says, basically here, and we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak. Does this sound familiar? He likes to do lists of things that we should do. So if you've been into Paul's writings much, and then he says, be patient with everyone. There's a very similar passage in Romans chapter 12. And so it's also a value that we see the church, you know, embrace in the New Testament. Patience. Another one that's not going to be on your screen here is the idea of, you know, God calls patience a fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life. Love, joy, peace, and long-suffering. These are things that when God comes into our life, we receive the ability to have. It's a big deal to God. So patience, is it the, 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 uh, the capacity to accept delay and suffering? Is that what it is? Uh, it is. But I think that I want to give it a new definition today. I want to give it one that I've been working on actually for a couple years. I've shared this definition with our crew before here. And I think it's one that we can begin to redefine in our brains what God says patience is. Check out this definition. What if patience is the ability to focus on God through uncertain, unexpected, unpleasant times? It's the same idea. We're accepting the fact there's going to be delay, there's going to be struggle, there's going to be inconvenience. But it's not just that we have the capacity to handle it. It's that we have somewhere to take it. Patience is like a measuring stick for something else. And so I'm going to make a correlation for you guys today. And I hope it's something we can take home. Patience is like a gauge for faith. Like if faith is our ability to focus on God. Would you agree that that, that would be a, a portion of faith? Faith is our ability to focus on God. And patience is a measure of how we're doing. We've got a lot of gauges in our life. Look at your car. There's all kinds of gauges in your car. You've got the speedometer. It's a very good gauge. And they're very accurate. You might be like, I feel like we're going pretty fast right now. Let's check the gauge. 88. Yep. The gauge confirms it. We're going pretty fast right now. Or you might be like, man, I feel like we're sitting still in traffic. Look at the gauge. We're going zero miles an hour right now. It, it, the gauge confirms it. So a gauge is a good uh, indicator, right, of how you're doing. And so our gas gauge is another one that's a really important one in our life. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But the idea that when you run out of fuel, it's good to have a heads up. It's like, oh, I got a quarter of a tank. I should probably make a trip to the gas station. What if patience became our gauge for our faith? What if when we were feeling really, feeling really impatient, and then some of the overtones of impatience, which sometimes is, is anger, sometimes it's anxiety, sometimes it's fear. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of overtones of patience that kind of become, you know, fruit of patience. 
And we start to feel those things. What if instead of going, oh, I just need to breathe deeply, which is a good, 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 good therapy. But if, what if instead we thought, my faith meter is low. And would it be true that if we could find more faith, we could also find more patience? I think there's a direct correlation, and I think that it's shown so many times. Uh, we're going to look at some other places in Scripture uh, right now. And so I'd like you to turn over to Psalm chapter 27. And this is a poem written by King David. And basically, if you're picturing like a traffic jam or things really going south in your life, like this is the scene that this author is stepping us into here, into here in Psalm 27. But, but this is what the author is saying. Okay, so just listen. He says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So on the faith meter, how does this person sound? Pretty faithful or like they're losing a lot of faith? Pretty faithful. Pretty faithful. They're like, who should I be afraid of? The Lord is my stronghold. When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. This is a person of faith. Now they're having wicked people come against me. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. And the war breaks out against me. Even then, I will be confident. So this is a person who's going through the delay, the struggle, the pain. But they're able to put that somewhere. And it continues for the rest of the paragraph to talk about like how terrible his life is. A lot of bad things are going on. But when you get to verse 13, he lands here. He says, I remain confident of this. That I will see the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living. What's his trick? Next sentence. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And wait for the Lord. So when your faith, when your ability to trust in God is low, you're going to have little ability to wait on him. Another word for that is impatience. There's a direct correlation between your patience and your faith. Waiting on God is not just about sitting in a room, twiddling our thumbs, be like, I'm waiting. Okay, I'm waiting. It's not just like uh, uh, only waiting. It's not like you're in the dentist's office and you're like, I mean, eventually he'll come call me. I don't know what time it is. I just got to sit here and read old magazines. Like, that's not waiting on God. Is it, it's, it's about while I'm in the storms of my life, I make a choice. Instead of sticking my fingers in my ears going, la, 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 wait for it to pass, wait for it to pass, I decide to fix my eyes somewhere else where I can find strength. I look for God in the storms. I look for his peace. I look for his people. I try to find those things because over time you will learn, and if you're new to faith right now, I got to tell you, sometimes it's really easy for us to, uh, to not know this because we haven't experienced this. But the longer you live in a community of faith, the longer you start to understand, like, wow, when things get really hard for me, if I will fix my gaze on who God is and where he is, my patience will increase. So that while I'm in the time of the uncertain, the unexpected, the unpleasant, I can still find patience. It, it's not easy. In fact, when psychologists talk about these moments in our life, they say that we have sort of a, a somewhat fixed number of responses that we will have. You, have you heard of these things like flight, fight? freeze. It's a whole list of words that start with the letter F and, and they're all pretty good. They're all pretty accurate. Like so sitting there with your fingers in your ears, that is the freeze response. 
You know, maybe you're like, yeah, that's actually how I do it. I just wait, and eventually it goes away, right? But that's the freeze response, not the most healthy response in most situations, but it's a very common response. I, t- I tend to be a fighter, or I have another word that starts with F that I would use. I'm a fixer, which is a way of fighting. So if something's going on, I'm just going to tackle it head on. Maybe to my own detriment, but I'm just going to go, I'm going to go deal with this my way. Like, that's how I'm going to deal with it. That's the fight response. Maybe you have that. Then there is uh, the easiest the flight response, that's like, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. And there's a lot of other words that we could add to it. But I want to I offer us another word that starts with the letter F that can be one of our responses. Can you guess what it is? Faith. That when I'm sitting in the storms, instead of fighting or freezing or fighting or fixing or all the other ones that we have, feeding is one. Like we just eat. <laughs> I eat my feelings. That's a thing. It's actually a thing. Um, I faith. I look for ways to find trust in God. So that's what patience looks like. Sitting in the storm, fixing my eyes on God, and asking ourselves this question. Based on what I know about God right now, and it can be a small amount, but based on what I do know about God right now, what do I think God would want out of this moment? I'm going to tell you something. This is not natural for us. Very seldom will you be in traffic and someone cuts you off and you're like, oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. No, you're going to think of some other things to say. It is a practice response. And it has happened in the smallest things so that in the bigger things that we can have that instinct there, that muscle memory. So it's hard. Because our patience meter fluctuates. And here's the thing. You might be a person of great faith, but find that in some settings you have less patience. Right? You might be a person of small faith, but you have a lot of patience. We're built a lot of different ways, okay? And so it's not just a one-size-fits-all thing, but I do believe that there's this correlation. And so what I want us to do in the time we have left today is take some time to look at what would be some practical responses when we need patience. In fact, what would be some things that we could use to build our faith? And these are things we can start to practice every single day so that we can get that muscle memory, so that we can have that instinct response when things do go crazy. And so there's three things. I've kind of labeled them out here, and hopefully they're helpful for you. This is what I'm going to suggest that we do as an individual to find more patience. The first one is this, that we need to find patience by remembering how big God is. Follow me on this. If patience is kind of our gas gauge of where our faith is, and we're feeling like we're running on E, we need to go to the gas station, the spiritual gas station. And one of the easiest places to start for me personally is when I stop and just think about who is God. Like, I don't know all the answers to all the problems. I can't fix most of the stuff in the world, even though that's my response typically. But I can start to remind myself of the bigness of God. And there's a lot of places in Scripture that can show us that. Another great thing to do is like, be with people who have seen the bigness of God. If you're going through a lack of faith time in your life right now, I'm going to tell you, there are dozens of people in our church family who would just love to tell you what God has done in their life. So it's about fellowship. It's about being with people. But Scripture is a good place for that. Let's look at one text. This is from Colossians chapter 1. I love Colossians chapter 1 starting at verse 15 until about 20, 22 or so because it's this big description of Jesus. And we believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. So a description of Jesus is, to me, as good as a description of God's qualities. Okay, That's, these are God's qualities. So in verse 16, we get this bigness of God picture. Listen to this. It says, for in him, it's talking about Jesus in Colossians 1, but also in God, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, Visible things, invisible things, whether thrones or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. That's the bigness of God. Ain't nobody above his, him. 
When you're going to ask who's in charge here, who's the manager here, you can work your way on up and you can get to world leaders and then you get to God and that's it. The creator, the sustainer of all things. When we need to find faith, it's good to, to remember how big God is. And if your patience is running low, there's a good chance you haven't even stopped to think about how big God is. Because sometimes when we get really stressed out, we tend to think about how big I can be. Like, how can I fix this? How can I do something? So ask yourself, what's stressing you out right now? What's on your last word? What are you losing patience over? Take some time this week to make a list of the things that you know in your lives and in the lives of other people and even in the lives of people in the Bible where you know God showed up and dealt with something just like what you're going through. Because he's dealt with it before. I just, I don't believe there's anything that hasn't already been dealt with by God. And as we begin to build that list, we begin to build our faith. Knowing that I'm not alone. It's a practice, it's a discipline. It's a lost art. Finding patience by reminding ourselves how big God is. Here's the second one. We can find patience by focusing on God's will and not your own desires. Let's be honest. What is impatience? Impatience is inconvenience. I'm not getting my way right now. I'm trying to get through traffic faster than I normally would get through traffic. Like, so what are some things where you're impatient? So for me, like, I want to have peace and quiet in my house. And so I'm impatient with my kids who make me feel like I live at a carnival sometimes, right? Anyone else? Parenting is hard. <laughs> and so that's where I am. But I'm asking, this is my desire. This is my will for the situation. My will is that everyone just shut up and go in their rooms because I'm trying to read a book, okay? And just leave me alone, right? That's my will. But we have to remind ourselves what is God's will in this moment. You're checking out at Walmart and there's this crazy lady working at the counter. I don't know how she got this job. But right now, she's using you as her personal therapist. Anybody been there? You're like, dude, I'm just trying to get out of here. Like, I got somewhere to be, and yeah, this was on sale, but I have a coupon, and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, listen, let me just tell you, blah, 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 blah. And my will is that I get out of here, and I'm impatient with this lady. But what is God's will in that moment? Maybe it's God's will that I play with my kids for the years that they live in my house. That I take the time to understand they're 11 and 14. This is their energy level. There is no off button. And I embrace their uniqueness and I play with them and I show them the love of God. What if that's God's will? You see how suddenly my patience changes? Because I'm focused on a different goal. Or I'm checking out at Walmart and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm just trying to get out of here. But what if God's will was like, hey listen, you're a light shiner. You are a, an ambassador of my love to this lady right here. Why don't you take a second and ask her how her day's going? Because right now you don't know that her kids are in some cruddy daycare somewhere so she can make enough money to pay rent and her deadbeat husband is left and right like we understand that these people exist right but i'm impatient because i'm trying to get my evic special and get out of here it's all about focus on on whose will i want to guide my goals in my life i'm preaching to myself i could turn right around and talk to a mirror okay but i'm just letting you know that if we can readjust whose will we're seeking our patience will shift. Because who has more patience than God? And his will is that we would all know his love. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2 is one of my favorite places to look when I am learning about God's will. And in Romans 12, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's great mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. 
This is your true and proper act of worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world is to be in a hurry, do it my way, and there's a lot of things that are the pattern of this world, but for our sake here. But instead, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's what God's Holy Spirit comes in. That's when we are told that patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It's because God's Spirit comes in and helps rewrite our programming and teaches us these things. And then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. If we will allow God to rewrite our programming, we can start to see the patience that God has for us. What is God's will in this situation? Is there a chance that it's different than my will? Probably, especially if you're being impatient with people. I could go on and on on that, but the most important result for us to realize is not uh, this is inconvenient, but this is an opportunity for me to look for God's will. And see, I could go on and on about that, but uh, when your patience meter is running low, we need to remember how big God is. We remember to focus on his will and not just our desires. And the third one I want to throw out is this, and it's just going to throw it out there. We need to find patience by staying and praying. What in the world does that mean? The psalmist in Psalm 27 said we need to wait on the Lord. The idea of waiting is, is the idea of staying. And I can point to so many times in my life where simply by waiting in a moment, even though it was hard, and really seeking God's will, that on the other side of that I was so blessed to know that he was in it the whole time. And I was thinking of some different ways uh, that this was true for me in my life, but probably the most pivotal one in my whole life, and I've told this story before and I've got to tell it as short as I can, but was when I was 19 years old and I was a student at a small Bible college and I got an opportunity to go minister at a little church in Norfolk, Virginia. And uh, it wasn't really clear what my job would be, but I was excited because it was a job and that's what I was going to school for. And I wanted to help people and I got there and long story short, when I got there, I found like there was a train wreck happening, a true dumpster fire happening at that church. Uh, the, the preacher got fired the day I got there for a bunch of infidelity stuff. There was a lot of couples having all kinds of weird relationships with each other that were totally not honoring God. And I walked in the first day and found out that all that just became public news. And me and my now wife, then girlfriend, were just standing there like, oh, wow. What have we gotten ourselves into? And one of the elders came up to me and said, listen, guys, so yeah, this is what happened. He actually had stood up and just told the whole church, this is what's going on. And I'm sitting on the front row like, what? And he said, listen, um, guys, we know that you had plans to come here and be here and serve on our staff and do all this stuff, but I want to tell you something. If you want to, we understand if you just want to leave and never come back because you're 19 years old. Why would you come here ever again? So we'll pay you for some time. We'll give you some gas money and send you on your way. Thanks for coming. And we prayed about it, I, probably not as much as we should have, but Lindsay and I said, let's, let's stay. And we stayed there for five years. It was the longest five years of my 39 years of life. I lived for 27 years in that five years. It was rough, it was really bad. There was a time where I was like the preacher at the church and like half the church were like in their 80s and 70s. And I was hired to be the uh, contemporary worship guy, had a guitar. They didn't want that, actually, it turned out. That's not what they wanted. And I, that's just the high-level the high stuff, the interpersonal stuff that happened was, it was hard, but we stayed, we stayed, and we prayed. 
I remember having prayer time with so many different people, like, what can I do to make a difference here? I want to show you a scripture, and then I'll finish that story. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, and they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I tell you what, it was exhausting living through that phase of our life. But we stayed, and I'm so glad that we did. Can I just tell you a couple of reasons why I'm glad we did? <laughs> this past weekend, I was able to be up in Virginia, and uh, I'm thankful that Kevin McNeil came and spoke last week. He did an excellent job, didn't he? He's, he's such a good speaker. I'm looking forward to the things that they're doing in Goldsboro. But uh, I was up in Virginia, and I was able to have dinner with one of the families who were some of our safe places, the Abshire family. And uh, man, that family was great to us, and we knew we'd be up there, so we connected. They said, you want to do dinner? Is there anybody from your old times here that you'd like to connect with? I was like, well, there's a lot of people I don't want to see, but there's a lot of people I would love to see. And so one family they reached out to was a family called the Oakland family. And I got to have dinner with the Abshires and Oakland. I was the youth pastor to their kids. Now their kids are grown with kids. It was so cool. We stayed at their house till 10 o'clock at night. And we laughed and we played and we had so much fun. And it was just so refreshing. And we told stories of the good things that had happened in that church family. Dozens of people who came to Christ in our youth ministry who are now still in the kingdom of God because of that. In fact, I'm pumped right now. My man Joe is sitting back there. Joe was in that youth group. He preached here several months ago. He'll do it again. Joe was one of those guys. Joe, through deciding to go to Bible college, met his wife, Christy, who is Lisa and Paul Pipkin's daughter. They have three beautiful children. They would maybe have never met each other. I don't know. Probably not. If God hadn't told us, listen, what if you stayed? But it gets deeper than that. You guys know Patrick Harrison? He preaches up here a lot. You know his wife, Ashley? Ashley's family's from that church. They were one of the other safe families. You know Philip? Philip that was up here playing bass, did the announcement. Philip is Ashley's brother. Some of you might not know that. Uh, I met them through Colonial Heights, that church. And I got to spend time with them and grow with them. Patrick began to come up and help me as, uh, as a volunteer, and that's how he met Ashley. And now we have a beautiful family here that's one of the leaders at our church in Wilmington. We never, none of us thought we'd ever be down here in Wilmington. Side note, Joe later down the road comes and becomes an intern with me at another church. And him and his wife are there. And his wife decides to start hanging out with her little sister, Kara, at our church. Aaron Collins was in our youth ministry at the time. And I think Aaron and Kara had met other ways. But the fact that they got to spend a little extra time together makes me think God had a hand in that for a long time in a lot of different ways. And now they have a beautiful baby boy and they're leaders at our church as well. It's crazy to me how many of those families connect down to Wilmington, but there are so many others that don't. People in the Midwest, people in the Far West, people in New England, lots of them in Virginia, serving the Lord, doing great things. And if I look back to 19-year-old Chris, who was really terrified and not having a clue what to do, and I'm going to tell you, it was not me who did this stuff. It was God working through our decision to stay And as we prayed through it, God showed up. What are you being impatient about right now? Where are the areas where you're having a hard time seeing how big God is and what God's will is in this? Listen, I know it's not easy to see. And if you'd have asked us back then, we'd have been like, what is the purpose of it? I remember being in tears with a friend saying, I want to leave this place. I never want to come back. But fighting through it was so worth it. Now listen, there are times in our life when you don't need to stay. If you're a victim of abuse, or you're in a situation where it's dangerous for you, it's wise, and I think even God's will most of the time for you to just get out of that. 
But I'm talking about the times where you can stay and possibly make a difference. That's the ultimate payoff of patience. When we're able to find ourselves in the sweet spot of patience and faith, God can use us in ways that we don't deserve to be used. But he loves us and he says, I will. And patience is a lost art. But guys, we are God's church. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if you're living for Jesus today, is alive in you. So let's do our best to find God's will in the storms of our lives and focus on him and find patience. Let's pray this morning.